Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
a teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to the Special Education and Advocacy Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, we're going to talk about getting more out of the IEP document. I have so many people come to me in my special education law practice and say to me, Ashley, I think that my child could be getting more. I think that we need more time with the special educator. I think we need more services or more supports. And what I've realized as I've counseled so many people around that issue is that the process is not very difficult. It is a little bit nuanced, but at the end of the day, there's one key that I'm gonna provide to you that will make this a very simple process. So what we're gonna do today is I'm going to tell you how I approach getting more services out of an IEP. Then we're gonna talk about some common pitfalls. And at the end of today's episode, I'm going to give you some real life scenarios that will help you to apply these strategies to a real life case that might be happening with a child with whom you interact. So let's dive right in. If I can give you one tip for getting more services out of an IEP, it's this. Follow the IEP document in order. Of course, you know that the IEP document starts with the present levels of performance. In the present levels of performance, we establish a need. So if, for example, you're asking for more time to spend on reading, then you might look at the present levels of performance and say, okay, well, we need to add some information, some good data, some good present levels that establishes a need because that need in reading is then going to drive the services that we talk about at the end of the IEP. The time to discuss that need is not when you get all the way down to the services at the end. So many people get down to the end and say, you know, I think we need more time in reading. Well, that's not the time to bring it up. We first have to establish that need in present levels. After we establish the need, then the next part of the IEP is the goals section. And so if we've established a need, for example, for reading, then we go into the goals section and then we can write a goal or several goals for that specific need. Then of course we have to talk about how we're going to monitor progress for that goal. And then we look at the related services in special education. That's when we talk about what the child's going to actually get. This would be a great time to say, you know, we wrote that goal for reading comprehension. I think this is a great time to talk about adding some services, layering on some services. What else can we do in order to help our child um, improve in reading comprehension or whatever the specific need is? Then of course we talk about least restrictive environment and placement, and then we do alternate assessment and um, testing accommodations. And then finally, the IEP ends in transition services. If you think your child has a need in transition services, the time to ask for it is not when we get all the way down there to the end of the IEP. The time to ask for that need is in the very beginning when we're looking at present levels, we establish the need and then we write a goal and then we follow it all the way through so that it's all teed up for you when you get down to the bottom of the document to those transition services. Now, I have a three-step process that will help you to get more out of your IEP. 
Let's talk about that three-step process. Step one is to monitor progress for the new areas of need. Now, when I say monitor progress for those new areas of need, what I mean is you have to have objective data combined with that subjective information. I always tell parents, you're the expert on your child. But if you just go in and say, hey, I think we need a reading goal, or hey, I'd like for my child to do this transition program, you're probably not going to get very far. You have to go in with some objective information, with some progress monitoring, some data that establishes the need. And if you establish that need with data, you're going to be more likely to get that into the present levels of performance. So think about what you'd like to add to the IEP and then layer on some data. Now, where do you get this data? One suggestion would be to communicate with the IEP team far in advance of the actual meeting. So call into school, send an email. If you're communicating regularly, like I really like for you to do, then what you might do is you might include it in one of your Sunday emails or just a weekly or quarterly check-in and say, you know, I've noticed that and then fill in the blank. I've noticed that this need exists, and I wondered if we shouldn't take some data on that because I think that it's something that we might wanna look into when it comes time to draft a new IEP. Or I wonder if we shouldn't meet within the year, that we shouldn't wait until the annual IEP, but maybe we should meet a little bit sooner. So would you mind taking some data on this particular thing? And you don't have to write it like you're some kind of expert. You're just suggesting, you know, I'm seeing something at home. I don't know if you're seeing it, but it would be helpful if you would take some data for me. A lot of schools will help you in that regard because ultimately they're trying to help the child as well. The next place that you can monitor this progress is outside of the school setting. You can ask your private therapist, you can ask your um, outside tutors, anybody else that interacts with the child if they wouldn't mind taking some data. Oftentimes it's these people that are suggesting the new goal or the new area of need, that new service, the goal, the, um, the time, whatever it is. And so they might be doing this for you proactively anyway. Finally, you could monitor progress at home. If you work with your child at home, you're probably seeing where those deficits lie or what the next natural course of um, progress would be. And so you might take some data at home, whether that's formal or informal. I've talked lots about data in other podcasts. I've got a whole podcast on progress monitoring, and that might be a good place to start if you would like to take progress um, on this intended new goal for your child as well. So that's step one, monitor progress for the new area of need. Then we're gonna put that need in present levels, which is step two. So then we're going to look at the IEP and when we're looking at the present levels of performance at the very beginning of the IEP, we're gonna substantiate that need. So we're gonna say, you know, I was looking at reading comprehension because when we read at night, and I ask questions, I don't think my child understands what he's reading. And so I'd like to look at reading comprehension. And what I did was I backed it down a grade level and I took some data, here's what we were reading, here's how my child reacted, go in with some data, go in with little video snippets, with logs, with journals, with actual progress monitoring, with charts and graphs that you've taken. Whatever feels right to you, go in with that objective information. 
and also your subjective kind of gut feeling because you are the expert on your child and say, this is what I've seen, and I'd like to record this in the present levels of performance. Now, if you think you might get some kickback, you might suggest, I might suggest that you do that before the IEP meeting even starts, that you, before the meeting, say, you know, this is something that I'm looking at adding to the IEP, so that school has a chance to think about it and to talk to other people about it before the meeting actually starts. So you're gonna monitor progress for the new need, get that objective data. Then step two is you're gonna substantiate that in the um, present levels of performance. And then you're gonna write the goals for that need. Step three, write the goal for that need. So you've established the need, and then you're gonna write the goal for the need. And if you write a goal, then you're gonna to have to have more time in special education. And so the next step, obviously, is just to simply follow the IEP document. And when you get down to the to the, whatever you want, whether that's more services or more supports for the child or whatever it is that you want, then you've got that foundation laid because you followed this three-step process in order to get that thing. So then you simply reference that when it's time to ask for the actual um, the actual addition to the IEP that you would like. So let me give you a couple of advocacy tips because that seems almost too easy, right? So what else can you do in order to ensure success in adding things to the IEP? The first thing I'd like to say is that it's really important to start this as a conversation rather than a demand. And so that's why I'm a huge fan of having conversations throughout the year, not just talking to your child's teachers at that IEP meeting. You're on a team with these people. If you work um, outside of the home and you have teams at work, well, you don't just talk to them once a year. You talk to them at least quarterly, most of the time weekly, sometimes even daily. Because in order to effectively communicate, you have to have relationships. And so one tip that I can give you is to actually address this as a conversation, not as just a demand. You know, like I'd like more reading comprehension. Well, that comes off as, more of a demand and less of a conversation. The second time is to, the second tip is to ask in real time. So don't wait until you know three months into you seeing this need in order to ask for it to be addressed in the next IEP. Do it when you see it. If you do it when you see it, it feels more organic. It feels more real. It feels more um, true to the child. So don't just do it at the IEP meeting. Have those conversations throughout the year. The next thing I'd like for you to do is to involve a lot of people in developing those new goals. When you involve a lot of people, what you do is you bring in more objective data because everybody looks at things through a different lens. And so you might see something, but then ask a private therapist or a private tutor, and they might say, well, actually, I kind of see what you're saying, but I see it from this different lens. And that can help you to layer on the different parts of your argument for the different parts of the IEP. So really think about asking lots of different people, lots of different teachers, outside therapists, friends that interact with your child, other, child's, other children's parents, 
can be a great support. You know, how well is your child reading? Do they understand the science lessons? Maybe it has more to do with the actual science teacher than it has to do with the science content or your child's ability to retain that, that content in science. So ask around, get lots of outside information. That will only help you to help your child. If you need an expert report, if you really need something significant added to your child's IEP, if your child has recently been diagnosed with dyslexia by an outside expert, and you want to add that multi-sensory research-based reading instruction like Orton Gillingham or Susan Barton or something like that, then you're probably gonna need an expert to do that because chances are you've already asked the school for an IEP and they've declined you. And so you've said, okay, fine, I'm gonna go get my child privately evaluated because I know in my gut that something's going on. So if that's the case, and if you're willing to take this to do process, then it's really, really, really important that you ensure that that expert report is very detailed. Because the, at the end of the report, there should be a list of services and accommodations and modifications that might help the child to do better in school. And you're going to rely on that list because an expert gave it to you. Because a psychologist or someone that's trained to do those evaluations provided that to you. And in order to really, really, really rely on that document, you need to make sure it's detailed. And so if that person provides the evaluation report to you and you don't think it's detailed and you really don't know what to do with it, then ask that person for more detail, for more support, because you need that information in order to help you communicate with the IEP team. So make sure you understand that, make sure it's very detailed. In addition to that, you want to make sure that the expert that you ask to do the evaluation is somebody that could testify at the due process hearing. So you wanna ask them, first of all, if they're comfortable doing that. And you also wanna ask them what their credentials are and if they've ever testified as an expert before. Because you might need that person to come in and testify in court. And if you spend all that money and all that time and all that energy, doing the evaluation and then the person can't actually help you at the IEP meeting or at a due process hearing or whatever, then you've wasted all of that time and energy. In addition to that, a lot of tests that are run in order to be um, valid, there has to be an amount of time in between when they're retested. And a lot of times that time is a year. So if you go get your child evaluated and then the expert isn't willing to help or doesn't write a report that's helpful enough and you think, well, gosh, maybe it's wise to go get a second one, I caution you to do that because some of the tests cannot be run more than once within a year. And so it's really important that you choose that expert wisely, that you get that information from somebody that you really trust and somebody that is committed to helping you throughout the entire process. And finally, if you're having trouble getting anything into the IEP that you say because you're the parent, rely on those parent rights. Don't forget to say that you have a right to meaningfully participate in the IEP process. And because you've got that right, your opinion matters. So rely on those parent rights. Maybe you're afraid of that at the beginning of the meeting and when they offer you that packet of parent rights, you actually take them this time. A lot of people decline them. But maybe you say, you know what, I would like to have that packet this time. And review it before you go into the meeting and know exactly where that information is about your right to participate in the meeting 
And that way you can point to it when you get to that point and say, you know what, I do have an opportunity to participate in this meeting. It's right here in my parent rights. And so I'd like to give you this data and I'd like for this data to be included in our conversation. And that should help you as a gentle reminder to, to give to the school, that should help you to get your information that you've brought into the meeting in that IEP document. So here are some cautionary tips. And I think the biggest one that I'd like to remind you of is the idea of placement. So a lot of people are um, concerned about inclusion. They want for their children to be educated to the best extent possible, to the maximum extent possible in the general education classroom. And of course, that's what the law mandates. And so one thing that I um, concern myself with when I make these arguments is inclusion. Because if we get all the way through the document and we've layered on all of these supports, that it takes time. It takes time to teach to more goals. It takes time to monitor progress to more goals. And so if you've added a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of support, chances are the child's gonna have to leave the general education classroom a little bit more or maybe even a lot more in order for those goals to be met in order for the services to be delivered. So as you're thinking about adding things on, think about the environment in which the services are going to be delivered. Can the services be pushed in? The time to talk about that, again, is not when you get to the least restrictive environment part of the IEP. It's when you're at the top, when you're talking about present levels, when you're writing goals, when you're talking about progress monitoring, talk about where the progress is going to be monitored because if it can be monitored in the general education classroom in an organic way, then that's not probably, it's not as likely to affect the least restrictive environment and the child's placement. So be very careful about least restrictive environment as you're making all of these arguments. Beware to add too many goals, too much service, too many times that would pull the child out of that um, least restrictive environment situation. So you're always looking throughout the entire thing, um, throughout the entire IEP document and the entire IEP meeting at where the placement would occur. And that's the biggest pitfall that I see. Now, let me give you a couple of real life scenarios that might help you to apply this to whatever you're working on for your particular child. One idea that people come to me a lot for is, you know, I think my child needs, I think my child's teacher needs some supports. So maybe it's social emotional support. You know, behavior is kind of a hot topic in special education. And people come to me a lot and say, my child's teacher simply cannot manage my child's behavior. And they're a fabulous teacher and things are going really well and they're learning how to read and write and they're learning their social skills and their speech is improving and all of these things are happening. However, they do kind of a terrible job at supporting my child's behavior. And as a result of that, my child's learning is, imp is impeded because sometimes my child's too impulsive or sometimes my child can't get their emotions under control and then they aren't present for learning. They aren't available to learn. And I think if the teacher got some supports, well, that would really help. And so how do I ask for teacher training in the IEP? How do I ask for the teacher to get that social emotional support so that they can support my child? And so what, if you're looking for social emotional support training for the teacher, here's what you need to do. 
You need to establish the need for social emotional support for the child in the present levels of performance. So we go all the way up to the beginning of the IEP document and we talk about the child's behavior and how the child's behavior is affecting the child's learning. And we might need some data for that. So we might ask the, the teacher, hey, could you take data on how often my, chi my child has to fill in the blank? So maybe it's all punitive at this point. So how often is my child sitting in the hall? Can I get a log of how many minutes per day my child's sitting in the hall? Or how often does my child have to go to the principal? Or how often is my child sitting in that timeout chair in the back of the classroom? I'd like that information because I think that we can build some supports around that when we discuss the next IEP. So let's take that data for maybe the next two weeks and then can you weigh back on, weigh back on that issue to me so that I've got that information? And you're doing it, of course, I'm sure that you're extremely upset if your child's in any of those situations. And you can express your disappointment, but if you're talking to the teacher, you might say to the teacher, I'm just thinking that maybe we need to get you some support so that you can support this child. I go to all kinds of seminars and I read all these books and I've got all this information and I'm thinking it might be helpful if we got you some of those supports and I know we need to address it with data. So can we take the data for a very short time period so that we can get you some immediate supports? Then we use that data and we put it in the present levels of performance. And then we write goals for whatever those situations are, right? In this case, I would probably suggest a functional behavioral assessment where we do observations and we take ABC data. We'll talk about that in a different podcast, antecedent behavior consequence. We, uh, that's really what I would do. But let's talk about it just kind of on an informal basis. So the, child, the, the child's teacher takes some data. She comes back and says, you know, the child during read aloud, um, the child's usually back in a chair in the back of the classroom because they can't keep their hands to themselves. They can't sit still, whatever the case might be. And so maybe if that's the case and we're just looking at read aloud, then we write a goal for read aloud. You know, maybe we try to get the child to be able to sit in the read aloud center and answer one question um, per day that is a reading comprehension question. Um, and, you know, we build some different benchmarks into this goal in order to attend to this small group situation, or maybe it's a whole group situation, whatever read aloud is. So we add the goal for paying attention and controlling our behavior during the read aloud. Then we add the specially designed instruction to how we're gonna get the child to do that. Because if we just add a goal and we don't have any supports, nothing's gonna happen. You know, I could say, well, I'd like to be able to read 3,000 books this year. But if I don't make a plan for that, then it's not gonna happen. So we have to layer on the specially designed instruction. And so in that case, what I would say is, well, the child probably needs a very specific, very consistent behavior management strategy. So what behavior management strategies is this teacher trained in? You know, what do you usually do? And maybe pull some examples, you know, do some research on your own. Do you use zones of regulation? Oh, okay. Well, how do you um, implement zones of regulation here? Were you trained on zones of regulation? And of course, you probably already know the answer. And so you do the research on the programs, maybe suggest a couple of programs and say, oh, okay, so when we go to outside therapy, this is what we do. And it's been very, very helpful. Tell the, the, um, the success story of how something that's very consistent and is programmatic 
has really helped the child. Tell that success story in order to get the specially designed instruction into the IEP. Of course, if you're able to get that specially designed instruction into the IEP, well then of course the teacher has to be trained because who else is gonna deliver that? And so that's how you get the teacher training into the IEP. You start in present levels, you build the goal, you make that specially designed instruction exactly what you want it to be, and then of course the teacher has to get trained in order to deliver that services. Okay, what if you wanna add more services to the IEP? What if you wanna add simply more special education time? I think my child needs to be with that resource teacher or intervention specialist more. I want my child to have more special education time. So let's talk about maybe it's reading comprehension or reading fluency or something like that. And we say, you know, what they really need is they need more time in special education. I get this a lot in high school. A lot of children with reading difficulties get pretty many supports in grade school, a, a few less in middle school. And then by the time they get to high school, I've literally had teachers say, well, I mean, I'm supposed to work with them 20 minutes a day, but they never come down. So I really don't work with them. And so they're not getting that time. Of course, in that case, there's a, <coughs> excuse me, there's an argument for compensatory education, of course. But what if we're trying to add more time for reading comprehension or reading fluency, whatever it is? So what you need to do is you need to be extremely specific. Take data on whatever it is that you need. Now, if the child's on an IEP and they simply aren't getting enough services in your opinion, you really wanna dive deep into whatever the progress monitoring is. A lot of children that have specific learning disabilities are doing some kind of computer system that will help them, will help the school take data on reading comprehension, on fluency, on those things that the child struggles with. So you might ask for that information ahead of time. You might say, you know, what exactly does IXL or Edmentum provide? What kind of data does that provide? And could I look at that data? Because that might help me to understand it before the IEP uh, meeting even starts. You also might consider when you write a parent interest statement or a future planning statement, you might consider talking about the child's future and how the child's going to need reading in order to succeed in their future endeavors. So if you've got a child that has dyslexia and wants to be a veterinarian, well, vet school is gonna involve a lot of reading and veterinary practice itself is going to involve a lot of reading because there's charting and there's research and there's practice management and all of those things are gonna require reading. And so if the child wants to do that, then we're gonna talk about how we need that reading skill, how we need the foundation of reading in order to help the child achieve his or her goals. And so we're very, very specific about what we want. We've established the need and we layer it on. So before the meeting even starts, we're taking data, we're writing that future planning statement. Then we get to the meeting and we present the data and we try to get that need established in present levels. If it's already established and they simply aren't delivering it, well, great, then you can move on to the goals and maybe you need to add more goals. But we really need to be specific about what we want. Then of course we have to be sure that the specially designed instruction is present. 
And if it's a reading goal and your child doesn't have that research-based multi-sensory reading instruction for dyslexia, you aren't getting OG, you aren't getting Susan Barton, you aren't getting Linda Mood Bell, well then this is where you want to shine in that specially designed instruction portion of the IEP. You really wanna make sure that you get that research-based multi-sensory instruction into that portion of the IEP. And then of course that might lead to teacher training. It also might lead to more instruction because if you get, for example, Linda Mood Bell into your IEP, and one caution is they very, very rarely will include a brand name into an IEP because that's too specific. Um, and a lot of state departments of ed actually prohibit it. But if it says research-based multi-sensory reading instruction, maybe you want it in the minutes that this is the brand that you're going to use, I think that's probably sufficient. And so if you get that in there, then in order to be implemented with fidelity, most of those programs have recommended time periods. And so it might be 45 minutes a day, it might be 45 minutes a week, whatever it is, look it up and say, okay, well, in order to be implemented with fidelity, then this is what we need. And so then you've established that need when you do the present levels, you've written the goal, you've written the specially designed instruction, and then by the time you get to the ask, it's all layered on and it's ready to go. So that's how I would go about adding more services to the IEP. What about if you want more support? What about if you think there's a supplementary aid or service that your child would really benefit from and that would really help your child to do better in their special education and their general education settings. Well, the first thing that I wanna to say to you is, this section of the IEP should provide supports for the child across all environments. And to the extent that it does, that's fantastic. But there might be very, very specific things in there that are very specific to one particular area of need or one particular area of growth. An example is when we need to add a device, some kind of assistive technology to a child's IEP. So I have a lot of children on my caseload that use assistive technology for communication. They use augmented, augmentative communication devices. We call them talkers usually. And so those talkers, there's lots of different brands of talkers and different brands are appropriate for different children. And usually it involves some kind of assistive technology evaluation. You know, will the child succeed in using the talker? Does it seem to be preferred? Does the child have the fine motor skills to access this particular brand or this particular device? That's what an assistive technology evaluation looks like. If you're thinking about adding some kind of specific assistive technology or device or tool to those supplementary aids and services, you guessed it, you've got to establish the need in present levels. So if it's a talker, you're gonna look at expressive language and you're gonna say, you know, the child gets frustrated when the child's trying to communicate expressively. A lot of times children are expressive language talkers and they're probably going to choose to speak with their voices as the path of least resistance because it's easier than getting the device, turning the device on, logging on, and then clicking their way through. But maybe they've got a motor planning deficit. Maybe they have a praxy of speech and they're missing, I like to call them the sticky words. They're missing articles and prepositions and plurals. And so the talker could be used in order to help the child to access the, the motor planning that lang that's involved in language. And so we look at whatever the need is and we put the need into present levels and we might have to get creative. 
And then we go down and we write the goal and we write the specially designed instruction. And then we say, oh, well, in order to um, meet the goal that involves the talker, of course we have to add the talker. And so it's already in there. It's already built in when we get down to the supplementary aids and services. What we have to do is we have to look at it from the top down, from the beginning of that IEP document all the way until the end. You know the drill. We've done it twice before. This example is the exact same way. So those are my keys to adding more services to the IEP document. Of course, this also could work in, in reverse. If you want your child to be in the general education room more, then maybe think about removing some of the goals that have to be done in the special education room. So those are my keys to adding more services to the IEP document. I hope this is helpful for you. I'll see you again next week when we address our next topic in special education advocacy.